Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome in to Monday's edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Where were you when the Yankees became the biggest joke in professional sports? <laughs> Sometime around 7 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night when Luis Severino towed the rubber, stared at the catcher's signs and said, I got jack shit today and haven't for two months. Sometime around 10 p.m. when Aaron Boone said that the A.U. had some pretty good at bats yesterday and really made Dean Kramer work, which is not the point of the game of baseball. Congrats on kind of making Dean Kramer work a little bit, but you lost 9-3 in a swing game. That might have determined your entire season's fate. And now here we are at the trade deadline. Uh, Tomorrow evening, 6 p.m., the Yankees have a number of players who, if they're smart, they will jettison regardless of who they add. But they have to be smart. And it's really starting to feel like what's the dumbest possible outcome? They do absolutely nothing, which is somehow even dumber than a hybrid model. Well, then that's what I'm betting on. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can. Thanks for finding us on YouTube. We are here streaming every Monday and Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time, typically. But tomorrow, we are going to maybe have a special edition after the tree deadline to recap and wrap it up. Deadlines at 6 p.m. Look for us shortly thereafter. Hopefully, obviously, we got to write about this. Too. Although if the Yankees decide to do absolutely nothing, then that'll make it a little easier. Uh, but we welcome in every viewer, subscriber. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we are, uh, yeah, Angelo in the comments saying he's listening to and absorbing a whole bunch of negative Yankees podcasts today. Uh, we can't promise that we are going to be a positive Yankees podcast today. We are very sorry for that, but we appreciate you joining us anyway. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. We'll talk out the deadline. We'll talk out Aaron Judge getting rested in game three of his uh, first series back. And we'll obviously talk about Aaron Boone's quote and a couple of returning Yankees, but you've got a special offer for our listeners and viewers before we get into that. Yes, everybody. Uh, welcome on in. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, we have a, an offer for you guys um, from our favorite friends at Caesars. Um if you are a Yankees fan or you're a Yankees hater, I know there's plenty of you guys in there t- uh, in here today and in the chat, so let's have some fun while we're at it. Uh, we have an offer from Caesars Sportsbook that you won't want to miss. New customers get their first bet on Caesars covered up to $1,250. All you have to use is the code YGYFULL, F-U-L-L, at sign up. If you sign up using the code YGYFULL, you will not only have your first bet insured up to $1,250, but you will also directly be supporting the podcast. Good vibes. We need them right now because life is not great in the baseball realm. So if you haven't signed up yet for Caesar Sportsbook, again, please head on over uh, to the app or the website, sign up, join the code, uh, join with the code YGYFULL and drop that first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legally gam- legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for, for full terms of the offer. And man... I don't know anymore. I just don't know. I mean, I do know because most of this is what was kind of expected. Um, did we think the Yankees were going to go into Baltimore and beat the Orioles? Not really. We were hoping for it. Thought the return of Aaron Judge would do uh, create some sort of reinvigoration here. But uh, the Yankees neutered themselves once again by limiting him in his uh, in his first series back, which I get and I also don't get. But Maybe just score a run off Grayson Rodriguez in game one. The man has 12 starts above AAA heading into that one and has over a six ERA. Just would have been smart. Um, I'll leave it at this. 
I hope Garrett Cole just fucking chewed them out because if I was Garrett Cole, I would have chewed them out. Um, no excuse for that. He's out there. He's having a good season. He's doing all he can. I know he's had slip-ups at many inopportune times, but he's delivering for this team. He pitches a gem against the best team in the American League and gets left hung out to dry, and they lose in the bottom of the ninth. So beyond frustrating, then you gain the momentum back on Saturday and you shit it away Sunday. I don't know what to say anymore. I feel like we're saying the same things over and over again, and people might think we're stupid, but it's bad news when the average fan knows that it's all very bad and it's not fun to talk about anymore, and we seem to be talking about the same topics, but here we are. Well, best game of the year on Saturday, probably. Pretty fun, yeah. If Garrett Cole did chew them out, then it worked. Um, But, like, yeah, following in the footsteps of, like, Talking Yanks and all the other podcasts that have gone up in the last 24 hours. And what do you want from us? Like, we we are going to talk about the players who could go at the deadline. We were going to talk about that anyway. And and that was prudent before Sunday and after Sunday. But um, it doesn't take a genius to – like, every take has been regurgitated, like – you talk about the trade deadline and you get people going, well, if DJ Stanton and uh, Rizzo don't do anything, then, you know, what's the point of trade deadline? Correct. You're you're obviously not wrong. The team is built around those people until the offseason, at least. Um, but at the same time, there's no use in trying to make the lineup better. No use in trying to lengthen the lineup. Nope. Um, if you like, Because it's not getting worse enough where you're getting a tank benefit from this season. Like, this is the worst lineup of all time. This is a this is a like 29th ranked offense this year. So like if that lineup is what gets you to 55 and 50 and right in the wild card race, then there's really no way to be as bad as you want to be with this rotation of bullpen. Yeah. The bullpen has not been very good for a while, especially at uh inheriting runners and allowing them to score. Rotation's been pretty good despite Luis Severino shitting the bed yesterday on his way out of town actually sending himself out of town like a rocket powered by his own shit like shitting himself so hard that he's flying out of new york city off the mound propelled by his own excrement that's how bad luis severino has been but even with all that they're 55 and 50 Uh. so explore options for changing the roster getting us closer to something palatable but there's no way to strip this to bear parts and, and get even worse. If you traded those veterans who you hate, you'd probably accidentally get better, right? They are the 29th ranked offense. Jake Bowers has a 117 WRC plus. You give him everyday first base reps. He's probably doing better than Anthony Rizzo, who's been the worst hitter in baseball since May. Like you could do anything and improve. Anything makes this team better. So a complete bolts down tank job only improves their chances of competing potentially for the rest of the year. So you might as well go add a couple pieces and actually get actively better and try to sneak into the playoffs and then try to win the world series. And then you will fail. So then the reckoning comes this off season. Like that's really what I see. And the, the lefties are getting their spotlight today because John Boy and Jake started the conversation and Cespedes Barbecue finished it and there's really not any more conversation to have but the 2009 world champion Yankees had the most played appearances of any team in baseball by left-handed hitters against righties because of all their switch hitters first in 09 first in 2010 because the stadium is small where lefties hit the baseball 11th, 5th in 2011, 8th in 2012, 12th in 2013, that team sucked. 2nd, <laughs> they signed McCann and they got Beltran, the switch hitter in there. They're starting to figure it out. 1st in 15, that's a playoff team with a bunch of veterans on their last legs. 3rd in 16, 15th in 2017. <coughs> mm. Mm. That's pretty weird because that was like the first year of the new contention window. So they're starting to slip there. So you would think that a, a, a smart team run by smart people that offseason would go, it's weird. This is a this is an interesting young team that's uncharacteristically right-handed for Yankee Stadium. So let's actively change that this year as we move into a contention window. Instead, they target Shohei Otani, would have solved that problem pretty effectively. Fail to get him, but failing to get him isn't even really the right way to put it because there just, just wasn't happening. He said, I don't want to do that. So that's what's up. 
You're not getting him. But after that, they pivot to Giancarlo Stanton. As Joel Sherman pointed out today on MLB Network, that was the beginning of the end. 18, they finished 19th in this stat. 2019, the other important year here where they finished 29th in this stat. They Why is that year so important? A, because it's obviously 29th is horrendous. But B, they fooled themselves into thinking they didn't need left-handed hitters because they had Gio Urshela and Luke Voigt and a bunch of people ambushing the short porch anyway with surprising amounts of power. They had Mike Ford. They had Mike Talkman, but their best players were obviously right-handed, and there were a ton of them, and that offense was prolific, and that offense was a lie because there was a rocket baseball that year, and players who weren't very good looked very good. So the Yankees got fooled by MLB changing equipment, decided they did not have to rejigger the roster on the fly at all. All these righties are A-OK. And then offense got worse in 2020, 28th ranked uh, in terms of having these lefties. Offense got worse in 2021, 29th. Offense got worse again in 2022, 23rd. And offense is the worst it's ever been this year, 27th. Uh, all they do is add lefties midseason because they forgot to add lefties beforehand. It never works add lefties ahead of time, make a plan instead of not making a plan. And then we wouldn't have to be having this conversation. That said, you better not just sit on your hands tomorrow and do nothing because I don't care if you believe in this team or not. Look at what the angels are doing right now, turning over like eight roster spots mid year from behind us in the standings. And then look at what the Yankees are doing. Nothing. Pick a lane. It can be a pretty moderate sell-off, or you can add some longer-term pieces, but you better pick a lane, and that lane better not be doing absolutely nothing because that's the only thing that doesn't help you at all. And regardless of what they do, yes, they will have to melt this down this offseason. Well, yeah. What are they going to do? I'm all for buying something that's going to make this team better to at least try and not be an embarrassment this year. But what are you going to do? A lot of teams have already cut you in line. Even the Dodgers making like marginal upgrades in the form of Kike Hernandez, Ahmed Rosario, Joe Kelly, and Lance Lynn. Like they've already made four acquisitions by Saturday. The Yankees have done nothing. Everybody who they have been linked to, the two guys that we wrote about extensively in Jordan Hicks and Randall Grichuk, are on different teams. The Blue Jays got Jordan Hicks. They managed to capitalize on the Cardinals messing up that extension. Mm -hmm. And the Angels up. Uh, I mean, look, I, I'm 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 fine with not having Randall Grichuk, but unless Brian Cashman's creating smoke to distract other teams and zig when everybody zags, I, I don't know what the other options are. Cody Bellinger was hilarious. Grichuk was hilarious, by the way. Nobody wanted him, and we have a piece that just went up today talking about how he actually was a net negative defensive left fielder. So maybe they didn't need him. Uh, and it's ultimately okay the Yankees didn't wind up with Randall Grichuk, but then you get John Hammond saying they never even talked to the Rockies about Randall Grichuk. What, who are you talking to about anyone? If you're not yeah. exploring Randall Grichuk, the number one name you were connected to, you really might be doing nothing. Exactly, because then you look back and you see how many positions they're looking for. They're looking for left field. They're looking for third base. They're looking for catcher. They're looking for uh, catcher. Yeah, find that catcher. Find him. Good luck. But at this point, if there have been, there's nothing that's coming out, in terms that that's leading anybody into any direction with players they might be targeting or teams they might even be talking to. And also every contender who's looking to make moves has already made moves. The Texas Rangers acquired Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. They are going for it. I admire what they're doing, even though that even though they don't have Jacob DeGrom for the rest of the year. And now you have a worrisome forearm strain for Nathan Avaldi. Nonetheless, they replaced that production with both of those guys. And now it's funny, you're going to look back, side side note here, you're going to look back and the Bader for Montgomery trade is not going to be worth it. Montgomery's put up a full season of very good baseball. Harrison Bader's played in 70 games, has been injured four times, and is still below average hitter. I love what he brings to the team. Um, he Sometimes. cannot bring what he needs to bring to the team with this many people underperforming or out with injury. Um, so now you're going to have, you're going to watch another Yankee on a contender, uh, possibly bring another team to the pinnacle of success last year brian cashman said jordan montgomery would not be starting in a postseason game i think we kind of agreed with that but yeah maybe a uh maybe a misappropriation of assets there by not entirely maximizing the the potential that he had because he's now, starting a playoff game this year he's starting to play 100 play that yeah, he'll be starting a playoff. He might even be pitching against us he might be starting um, game one get there if max scherzer is bad <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, so I don't know the, the one thing I was worrying about last week 
was that you heard a lot of buzz surrounding other teams in regard to what they were looking for, um, the the players that they wanted, the teams that they had contacted, and then you even had some pl- earlier deals that that were going down that suggested, hey, this team is starting to get some moves done early. You had the Texas Rangers get a deal done in late June because they're getting ahead of it. The Yankees had all these needs. They were vocalized through the media, you know, two, three weeks ago, still haven't heard a single thing. Um, so I don't know what ground they're going to make up in the next 26 hours or whatever it is at this point, um, because the amount of lifting that they would have to do is fairly significant. Brian Cashman's proven that he can't do that type of lifting or he does eventually do the lifting and none of it pays off. Um, so the fact that they're, you know, cramming all their homework in until the last minute right before class does not bode well for what I guess the, the plan is. Um, and I think that that also might speak to where they think this team is at the moment, unless they shock us and they have plans to get rid of, um, some of this money, uh, some of these onerous contracts, um, some of these players that don't fit the roster that seemingly nobody would want. Uh, first one that comes to mind, obviously, after last night is Luis Severino. Just find somebody to take the money. Just find somebody to take the rest of the money for the remainder of the year. You save some money. You can maybe um, reappropriate that to something else. I literally don't know. Or at the very least, you just clear a roster spot to give a chance to a younger player to get them acclimated, to get them ready for 2024. Because, um, the, the, the one rumor that we, that had the most traction among the media so far was us going hard in on Shohei Otani, which we knew was never going to happen. Never, never going to happen. But Buster Olney said it. I think Ken Rosenthal mentioned it. John Heyman mentioned it. So that had the most traction. We knew that that was never going to be realistic because they would have had to pay a ton. The team probably wouldn't have gotten that much better just with him because of so many, all, all the other issues and holes that they have. So yeah, I'm genuinely worried right now. I think their best bet is to just sell as many assets as they have and eat it this year and go for 2024 because what they just showed this weekend um, didn't convince me of anything. And if the team had any sort of collective gumption, they would have known, Hey, we have to show the fans that like we have to take this series against the best team in the AL because the trade deadline is coming up and we need as many wins as possible to prove that it's worthwhile for the front office to maybe mortgage a portion of the future or outbid these other teams that are in on talks for players who are highly coveted. And they didn't do it. They, they put up two of the most embarrassing losses that you will see in a, in a given calendar month. And now we're back talking about how, you know, uh, dehumanizing they are and how unfun it is to watch them. A hundred percent. And again, I'm not even sure if they were to get rid of some of these underperforming players that they wouldn't just get better by accident. Like Oswald Peraza starts every day. You're, you're guaranteeing me he's not going to be more effective. Yeah, He's going to be less effective than some of the people that are currently running out there. Uh, shout out to talking Yanks for saying this today. How long have we been beating the drum that it's not good if Glaber Torres is your best offensive player? Correct. They brought it up on the show today too. Uh, Yankee fans wear this dude like a badge of pride and congrats that he is, he is the hottest hitter on the team. He has a 760 OPS. That's great. That should be your eighth best player. Look at the Boston Red Sox lineup. They are trying to trade Alex Verdugo, who is having a better season than Glaber Torres. Like the Boston Red Sox are a fine team, a really good offense, surprisingly good bullpen rotation is patchwork, but they're making it work or whatever. They really shouldn't be better than you, no. but they are. And, and you go up and down the lineup and it's like 800, 850, 860, 910, 840. Everybody's in the 800s. Yankees are topping out. Aaron Judge is over that mark. Everybody else is below it. Like that's not how it's supposed to go. Well, and how, also, how good is Glaber Torres to you? He has 44 RBIs. Aaron Judge has 42. Glaber's played in more than double the games, and Glaber is typically batting second, two through five. His OPS is all the way down under 750 now, too. Yeah. I just don't understand how you can be attached to any of these people to the point where you're, no. you like can't fathom getting yeah. rid of them and cutting bait on a Glaber Torres or a Harrison Bader, who I think – people would say was, was an extension guarantee earlier in the season. And now the tide is turning and people are sort of saying, you can't pay that guy. Like you'll, you'll hear that more than you'll hear. We must pay him yeah. uh, 94 OPS plus this year. He was a lightning rod a couple of weeks ago. It was like when he plays, they're like 21 and nine. And when he doesn't, they're obviously Drek, but he has slid down the tubes with the rest of them. 1.2 war fine. 260 average fine. Seven homers. Good. 287 OBP, dreadful. 
33 ribby, fine. Um, I actually wonder what his high leverage splits are because perception versus reality is such a thing on, in high leverage. Like, yeah, I, I've said the one unifying factor is that every single team thinks their team stinks with high leverage situations. Like, bases loaded, no outs. Everybody's like, well, we, we're not going to do shit. And then sometimes you don't. And then when you don't, there's like confirmation bias. You're like, see, we stink. When in reality, like every team's going to fail there sometimes. You remember the times you failed and you think your team stinks. The number of Red Sox fans I've seen be like, oh, this team. Yeah, taking prosperity, throwing it in the trash cans. Like, that's one of the best offensive teams in baseball. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, but Harrison Bader with risk, hitting 255 with a 753 OPS. Okay. Uh, just fine. Two outs, risk, hitting 300, actually good. Leighton Close hitting 147. Tie game hitting 184. Dreadful. High leverage hitting 261. 847 OPS. That's a high OPS. The four homers and the high leverage are big time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically right in line with the rest of his season. He doesn't clutch up, he just has his okay season no matter when the clock is ticking and and so that's good that's kind of how baseball works you want to be the same guy all the time but it's not like he's going insane he's not going berserk he's just he's just ken no Um, problem with him is 70 games since the deadline yeah just another one of those acquisitions where it's like okay um if you're oft injured and you're proving to be an overly valuable piece that is kind of intrinsic to the lineup when everybody else is humming then great, we can make an exception for spending money, which is kind of what we talked about earlier. We were the people who were like, yeah, guaranteed extension. There's no reason why this shouldn't happen. It's very logical. But now you kind of see him acting out a little bit. He's definitely not thr- – you could tell in his body language. Uh, you know, we had that incident with Bowers in the yeah. outfield last week. Um, he's not as, uh, I think, um, outgoing in the dugout as he once was based on just the cameras. But, but who could be? I'm not blaming anybody here. Um, yeah. But at the same time – it's a small sample size. It's 70 games. We did get ahead of ourselves. We thought that there was something here based on the early returns, but now things have normalized a little bit. You did two, three more injuries into the mix. Um, you kind of realize that you have a lot of outfield prospects that you could just fill the gap with at some point. And you don't know if there will be that, you know, how much will, how much bigger of a difference will Harrison Bader make over some pro, uh, top, you know, five prospect or 10 prospect that you want to see what they can do at this point, Harrison Bader's body of work, just about a league average hitter. Um, if he's bringing the lightning rod bat to the postseason and he's keeping that energy up, then we're talking different story. But if you're just looking at the counting stats um, and the outfield defense, I think the Yankees would just be fine too get value for him while they can or let him walk in the off season or just figure something else out. Because again, nothing else is really working here. It's a, it's a ping pong effort of kind of uh, creating more hope with each and every victory and then smashing it back down with a demoralizing one. Um, And that is not a team that's going to sustain success. I think that that's, that's pretty baseline for anybody who's watched sports. Correct. Um, so that's why Harrison Bader makes my list of most likely Yankees to yep. be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He clocks in in the number five spot for me just because that would be a drastic departure. But so was trading Jordan Montgomery last year. Um, that would just be and that would be close to the Mets trading David Robertson, basically saying we don't intend to have a closer for the rest of the year. We're not giving up. But we just don't want a closer. It's like, OK, so you're going to lose a lot of games. The Yankees saying, hey, our center fielder and our engine, uh, you know, one of the five players on this team who fans come to see. Yeah, he's gone now. Uh, Sorry about that. But he relies on his legs. We're not going to extend him. He's going to get worse as he gets older. So he's going to leave now. Like, it's a bummer. Could work. Could happen. uh, But would definitely be a white flag admission of guilt. So that's why he's number five for me. Um, I have Glaber Torres just off this list, by the way. Wouldn't absolutely stun me if he got traded. But... Right now, I think with the needle you're trying to thread, Glaber Torres makes your team, your your decrepit team, better in 2023 than not having Glaber Torres does. And you have the whole offseason to trade him anyway. Yeah. Uh, the reason I don't think he's getting traded also is because of the rumor that emerged yesterday that they were looking for Edward Cabrera, the Marlin starter, and Braxton Garrett, the other Marlin starter, and two prospects for Glaber Torres. <laughs> Um, you got you got to take one of those two pitchers for Glaber Torres, Brian yeah. Catherine. If that, if that's on the table, like Edward Cabrera, maybe you never harness him, but maybe you do, and that's kind of one of the things the Yankees actually do well. 
is is getting pitchers to get out of their comfort zone and shell and, and figure out how to harness their stuff. He's somebody like the Red Sox have wanted for a while, and like Red Sox fans are pining for him because he's like a co-ace mm-hmm. type guy. So like if you have the opportunity to get him for Glaber Torres, you don't ask them to add Braxton Garrett and two other prospects. You just go ahead and do that. So that's why I don't think that's real. But that's also why I don't think Glaber Torres is getting traded tomorrow. Um IKF in my number four spot on this list. It's obviously a tough one. He's been one of very few competent baseball players for this team in for uh, several months now. He was getting some love on Saturday night because mm-hmm. his great AB with a lot of foul balls to the right side with a with a line drive double into the left field corner is really the reason they won that game. Other than the presence of Aaron Judge, which is of course the reason they won that game, which is why they had to bench. Aaron Judge yesterday does with how baseball works. Why would you do? Uh, why would you give the guy who fought back for you a chance to play three straight baseball games when he wants to? Unless he didn't want to, but he did. Uh, we'll talk about that more. Three, two, one are the guys who I think are really on notice. Um, I would be a li- I'd be a little surprised if IKF went now too, even though he's been diminished lately in terms of starts. Mm-hmm. One of their very few effective bats and gave them another example of why he's valuable the other day. Um, and I'm starting to think he he's not a necess- he's not someone who definitely won't re-sign either. Because if you could put him on your bench for one year, four million or something, like you could do that. A good team does that. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not ruling it out, but he's not an outfielder. He's not a starting outfielder. Correct. He's not a left fielder. Uh come on. Three, two, one, Wani Peralta, who made uh who got one out on Friday night. That was weird, right? unless you're trying to like save him for the trade deadline, maybe because he's a free agent at the end of the year and he still has his, he's thrown five shutout innings in his last seven outings, which is really good and perfect timing because his FIP is still four, seven, eight because of all the walks and yeah. his uh, ERA is in the low two twos. So like the Yankees are beat, fighting the clock there, hoping a regression doesn't come. I still think they trade him. Um, Ron Marinacci is going to go down to the minors at some point, even though he was great yesterday in mop-up duty, not real life, not, not innings that mattered at all. Um, and then two, one Luis Severino, the single worst pitcher in baseball. He said that himself yesterday and he's right. Uh, he feels like the worst pitcher in baseball. Cause he is. And number one, Domingo Herman MLB.com said, uh, you know, he's a sell high candidate did just throw a perfect game. Hard to sell higher than that. He is what he is guys. He's an average major league pitcher who can occasionally be brilliant because that's what average major league pitchers do. They're occasionally brilliant. They're in the majors. He's got really good stuff. Many average major league pitchers have really good stuff. He can shut out the Dodgers on Sunday night baseball. He can also give up 10 runs and three innings to the Mariners. That's how his ERA got to four, seven, seven. That's how his ERA got to four, five the year before Uh, last year. It was like three, nine year before that. It was like four, five. It's usually in the mid fours because he's an average major league pitcher. Hope that helps. You don't have to do a deep dive and solve the mystery of Domingo Herman. Sometimes he is a god. Sometimes he is a mortal. Often he is quite bad. Many times he is quite good. That's what an average major league pitcher is. So somebody who watched him beat the Dodgers or throw a perfect game wants to give you a top 15 prospect for him, you go ahead and take it because you're not extending him. Uh, Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez have proven themselves to be adequate depth at AAA. I think you want to go out and acquire a pitcher this offseason. I don't think you want to say we let Domingo Herman go. Vasquez and Brito will take his spot and we're good. But you could do better than Domingo Herman. Maybe somebody else wants peak Domingo Herman. You should consider trading Domingo Herman. Those are my guys. I don't know if you have any other guys. I have two differences solely because I don't believe they're going to do anything that's going to propel this team. I don't think they have the ability to Starting do anything. To think they're not. Starting to, to think this they're team not. Better. No. So who's in the five spot for me? No one specific. I think one of these big contracts is going, though. It's either Stanton, it's either LeMahieu, or it's Rizzo. I don't know what that would look like. Um, we could talk about it if it happens, guys. But right now, if the Yankees are sitting on their hands, are trying to figure something out, you can't tell me that they've been pondering a way to offload some of this money um, in any way possible because the quicker they do it, the easier the offseason is to deal with, the easier it is to project the future, especially as early as 2024. And I think at this point they've realized that one of those three has to go. Just, and then imagine getting upset about that. Like imagine getting upset about that upset? movement happening. You, yeah. you, I won't allow it. I won't no. allow anyone – 
on Yankees Twitter to be to be wistful for whoever they move off of because what you're watching it right now. Yeah. I don't want to ever go back here. No. So. It, and subtracting one of those guys from this team does not make it worse. Does it make it better? Not necessarily, but well, benching it, DJ LeMay, he was a pretty big mistake last night. From, correct. From brain genius Aaron Boone. But in the long term, <laughs> I think you can get away with it. Yeah, correct. I think that um we've just come to realize over the last couple of years that no one's really that important no singular player of you know of these aging veterans is that important anthony rizzo appeared to be that for a while we've seen kind of night and day with him and when he's on this team is really not that much better because it's a again it's a 500 team without aaron judge it's a little bit below 500 without aaron judge it's a below 500 team against non a's and royals division guys so getting rid of one of these players is only going to help their flexibility in terms of money, in terms of allowing younger players to get some reps in, in terms of projecting the future in some way possible. So that's number five for me. One of those guys has to be on the move. I don't care what the package oh, – I mean, I do care what the package is, but if you have to package a prospect with it, if you have to eat a portion of the contract, great, do it. Four for me, come for me right now, Clay Holmes. Guy's pitching out of his mind. Guy will not be extended by this organization. This organization prints faceless relievers. They're starting to kind of do that like the Rays do. Um, you talk about a rising arbitration cost. You talk about somebody who can actually fetch a legitimate return without really upending your entire picture. Like the bullpen's been okay. Nothing special. I know he's done a great job of holding down the back end, but how many games are they winning where it's super close? They're not, they're not, they're losing. So many more games, it feels like, than they, uh, they're losing so many more games in pathetic fashion than they are coming anywhere close to needing an actual ninth inning guy to shut things down for them, in my opinion, that you might as well get the value if you're not going to extend him. Um, and at this point, he's your most valuable reliever based on how he's performed over the last month and a half. He's been absolutely incredible. Um, Bader is not on this list for me just because I don't think he has that much value. I don't know how many more teams are going to want to take that. My top three is the exact same for you. Uh, same, same exact as you, you trade Wandy. He's a free agent. Someone's going to cover a lefty reliever. doesn't matter what you get for him. You don't need him. You're not extending him. Severino, just find somebody to take the money. Maybe you get a lottery ticket prospect. I don't know. Probably not, but you see what you can get. And Domingo Herman, if there was anybody to sell moderately high on with the track record he's had this year, there's no sense in not doing it. You're not, it's another guy who's a free agent after 2024. This guy is not fitting into your 2024 picture. You're not extending him. At least I hope not. And then at that point you have other younger pitchers who you probably want to give a chance, especially when rosters expand in September and you just let that go. You let that happen. You see what you have in all of these guys. And then you reassess your plan for the off season when there's a lot more flexibility to make different types of moves when the trade market isn't at an all time high. Cause selling someone like labor Torres now in theory, good idea in practice. No one's, no one's going to pay what you want for labor Torres yeah. in the off season. When these prices normalize a little bit, you could still definitely get what you want to an extent. You're just not going to pull off the heist of the century because labor Torres is not, um, for example, a, uh, who, who's going to be on the market before they, uh, Glaber Torres at this point is, isn't even really a Cody Bellinger to me. I don't think he moves the needle like Cody oh. Bellinger, Cody Bellinger would have moved the needle. I think more for trade teams at the trade deadline because they probably wanted lefty power. Um, I understand middle infield is, is worthwhile, but, um, I don't think that he, I don't think he's a lightning rod in any sense. I think other GMs probably understand that, um, the only other comparison I could think of was Otani because that was someone who was going to absolutely shatter the deadline with his availability. Um, and teams would have paid anything for that. Um, or Juan Soto, but it looks like the Padres are hanging on to him. Glaber's a, you know, mid tier type of guy. I don't think that, I think that any smart team out there knows that what Cashman's asking for is clear for one of two reasons. One, he's not going to sell any lower on, on at, at the price point for this player after he's kind of come crashing back down to earth after his two really good seasons in 2018 and 2019. And two, it's his team's second best hitter. So if you want his team's second best hitter, you're going to have to pay the price. We know that uh, I think teams are not going to be dumb enough to trade what I guess he had asked for with the Marlins, if that is indeed true. So that's why he doesn't make my list either. Um, and I guess my honorable mention would be Michael King. If you're not going to trade clay Holmes, 
I think you have to keep one of those guys for just the health of the bullpen in general after this season. Um, but Michael King, I guess they, I, they probably seem to like him more because of his age. Um, and, uh, the fact that he probably won't cost as much as clay Holmes, just because clay Holmes has had so much more of a track record in the ninth inning and teams, you know, the teams are going to value that in the open market. Michael King is more like our faceless Swiss army knife from, you know, other teams watching us. Um, that's just my opinion. But yeah, that's where that's where I'm that's where I'm kind of holding right now. I think those top three are spot on. You have to get rid of all those guys and just get whatever you can or clear the money. Um, and then the four or five spots, you got to get a little bit creative. Um, so I hope that at least they can get some money off the books now, kind of level with their fate at this point and move on because you dug yourself this hole and now you have to dig out of it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yep, they're making the money on the books a problem. Luis Severino's money, they're making a problem. Josh Donaldson's money, they're making a problem. I mm-hmm. defended I defended the Josh Donaldson trade because I got lied to. Because I said, you make a trade like this because you're willing to live with the financial hit if he doesn't live up to his exit velocities and pedigree. And then he didn't, and he was terrible, and he was washed, and they said, it's too much, it's too expensive, too, too many finances. We, we can't maneuver elsewhere. And it's like, okay, well then what was the point of being the Yankees? The whole point of being the Yankees is you can eat your mistakes and there are no bad contracts because they never hamstring you. Cause you're the Yankees. So you don't want to go into th- like two things are true. $290 million is enough. You should be able to make a winner out of that. Yes. More than enough, but B <laughs> one and B that's, that's where we're at today. Okay. One. And then also B, um, if you have to go further, to, you you have enough financial might to be able to extend yourself beyond that. Yes. So, like, the Yankees payroll does not match up with their profits at all. They've been making profits hand over fist for 20 years. Show us the books. So, number one issue is that they had a whole bunch of lefties in 2009, won the World Series, and then now they don't. But number two issue is that the payroll does not match your uh, financial winnings. And I understand the pandemic was hard for you. And I understand that 290 is more than enough. But if you have to go up to 350, you you could. You you easily could. You'd still be extremely profitable. Um, And if you want your life to be extremely profitable, we have an offer from Caesar Sportsbook. Come on. You want to miss. New customers get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,250. All you have to do is use our code YGYFULL at sign up. It is right on the screen. If you sign up with our code YGYFULL, you will not only have your first bet insured, you will also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you have not signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, join with our code YGYFULL and drop your first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. I haven't been physically present in months while watching the New York Yankees. Uh, <laughs> mentally, for sure, not. Physically, I guess. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description. For the full terms of the offer, I mean, do we even want to talk about Aaron Boone? <laughs> I think we do. I think we do, just because you and I, this was like a week ago at our lowest point, and now we're at an even lower point, <laughs> the lowest point ever. Um, we, we did like a role play when our brains broke last week. That was basically like, what? how would Aaron Boone respond to these simple interview questions yeah. How would he manage to, you know, be able to hold court and, and answer for his uh, 2023 crimes? And we came up, we, we tried to like, we're playing a character. We're making jokes. We're basically trying to say like, what's the dumbest possible thing Aaron Boone could say in this scenario? And nothing that we said was dumber than what he said in real life yesterday after, again, probably the most embarrassing singular game of the year that was over in seconds. 11 pitches, three runs had scored, and there was a runner on second with nobody out. A couple pitches later, it was 6 nothing because Luis Severino hasn't been competent and, and worthy of being in a playoff race for months now, but he was in one on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, you did win the second game. You should have won the first game. <laughs> a 0-0 game in the ninth. 
you should win. One, one run will get it done Please for win. you. Um, so those are right there, at, as he likes to say, they're right out there in front of us. But we didn't take one of them. We took, uh, we split. Must win game yesterday. Aaron Judge doesn't play. Benched. Uh, we knew that was probably going to happen. They said he was only going to play two of the three. I suspected he would play Friday and Sunday and sit Saturday. Ultimately, thank God he didn't sit Saturday because he actually propelled them to victory. What a novel concept and wouldn't have made much of a difference yesterday physically. But mentally, he would have because yes. the team saw, oh, big must-win game. We've decided not to use Aaron Judge, who just fought his way back for us who fought his way through a toe injury that might need offseason surgery to like get back on the field. So maybe we should play him every chance we get before we fall out of the race, before we can rest him all we want from September 10th to September 30th, because the games don't matter at all. But no, they decided we were not going to do that. Nope. And they start Severino. So human white flags waved twice yesterday. Um, they don't win the game. They set the Orioles single game record for most strikeouts by an opponent in a game, 18. Uh, that's a pretty telltale sign that you sucked ass that is like if you asked me uh to open my encyclopedia to ass sucking it would be a photograph of the yankees striking out three times a time-lapse photo i guess of them striking out three times in the ninth inning yesterday to end their 18 strikeout game dean kramer has a near five era he's a bad pitcher uh they had a chance to tee off on him and they did they got runners on a couple times they had a guy on glaber torres on second after the bowers homer with nobody out they didn't score him. Rizzo, Stanton, IKF. They had bases loaded on wa- on two walks, uh, two two-out walks, and a 3-1 pitch to Kyle Gashioka. He ambushed that 3-1 pitch inside for some reason and grounded out. Mm. Uh, usually I like a swing in a 3-1 count. Not that fucking swing. Um, so they do a terrible job yesterday. It's, it's just about as poorly as you can do. They get guys on, but they don't cash them in or even really come close. Uh, they lose 9-3 to a bad pitcher in the most important game of the season without Aaron judge, Aaron Boone's takeaway, his stuff, the stuff he says after these games is not notable at all, unless it is so egregious that you just can't let it go. That was yesterday. Quote outside of the strikeouts. I thought at bats were building off of last night. I thought we grinded out really well. We made it really tough on Kramer. We couldn't finish off outside of the strikeouts. There were only nine outs recorded outside of the strikeouts. It was the Orioles' record for most strikeouts. They struck you out a fuckload. Building off last night, you actually very specifically weren't because Aaron Judge was the impetus of the night before, and then you you didn't play him. So you actually went backwards from night overnight. I thought we grinded out really well. How many times can you grind out really well without hitting at all or winning a game? Bottom 20s offense in Major League Baseball. Maybe grinding isn't a de-emphasized market advantage. Like, remember Moneyball when it was like, taking walks is the new getting hits. Maybe grinding is not one of those things. Maybe it's not a market inefficiency. Because you seem to grind a lot per sources, source you, and you never hit or win games. This is one of the worst offenses this franchise has ever seen. We made it really tough on Kramer. Again, the bad pitcher who actually did okay yesterday, you didn't make it that tough on him. He won. Then they brought in a reliever. You made it even less tough on him. We couldn't finish off. You couldn't start off. You were down 6 nothing with no outs in the first inning. Nothing to finish there, Aaron. Um, Is this one of the last times we ever have to sift through this Aaron Boone manure? Because, like, again... The lineup is the problem. Aaron Boone's not the problem. But, like, buddy, that was dumb as hell. That's, yeah. the, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen an authority figure say at the end of a bad loss. That's yeah. kind of what usually gets people camped. Yeah, I mean, the manager's supposed to represent the team well in, in some way, and sometimes representing the team well is speaking the truth, is holding guys accountable. And, again, we're repeating ourselves. I'm sorry, guys, but there is none of that. The first five hitters in this order had 14 of the 18 strikeouts. The first five hitters, supposed to be your five best hitters, had 14 of the 18 strikeouts. Anthony Rizzo had the first five strikeout game of his career. Dean Kramer still managed to strike out seven batters in four innings. Could have went another inning if he really wanted to. If they, if, if Brandon Hyde wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to save some bullets for my bullpen because – 
I know the Yankees suck and they're not going to score any more runs on us. He could have had Dean Kramer go another inning, but he didn't. He went to the bullpen instead and they didn't give up a run. They instead struck out 10 more batters. Um, or I'm sorry, 11 more batters. So it's more of the same. I mean, imagine, like, what is talking Yanks going to say to Aaron Boone? I don't even know what I, I'd probably cancel this week's episode. I mean, they were vicious last night. And I mean, right again, like we've had debates about when to go hard and when to pull back. Like last night was the time to go hard. Today is still the time to go hard. This team sucks. Um, right now, they, they're they're terrible and have been terrible on offense all year. Um, but Aaron Boone, like, I don't know how you show your face on that show today. And I don't know why I wouldn't if I were Aaron Boone. No. Because I'd, I'd be depressed that I was very stupid and had been revealed as very dumb. So I wouldn't want to talk to anybody. I would want to go hide for a while. But he doesn't even realize it. I guess not. Because if he's saying that, if he knows at this point, look, if he's – if he – I don't know who had him agree to do the tank talking Yanks podcast. I don't know what, how that came to be, but if he's watched any media about him in Yankees world on social media, he would know that he's criticized for the same things over and over again. It's questionable lineup decisions, questionable bullpen decisions, questionable pulling starter decisions, um, poor motivational tactics, not holding players accountable, giving us nothing in the post games, being dishonest about everything. Like he would in theory, change one of those things. And the easiest thing to do is probably just not continue lying to people and not, you know, uh, who said it. Um, I, I think, I think the talking Yanks podcast said it at one point before they had started interviewing Boone and it was probably 2021. And they're like, don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. Cause that's, it's essentially what it is. And with the, with the injury updates, like, all week last week, the Aaron Judge situation, we've heard we heard from all people who are well-connected to the Yankees about Judge's status. Here's what's happening. He's coming back. And then Aaron Boone goes into these press conferences, and he has no answers. Or he has answers, and he's refusing to say anything. Or someone's telling him not to say anything. So it's like, at the very least, if the organization is forcing you to be guarded in some way, somehow, then you have to be candid in your own way and – he has he he is completely devoid of that concept. There at no point do you feel like Aaron Boone is being honest with you. At no point do you feel that Aaron Boone is leveling with you. How bad this team has looked for a majority of the last four years, and who knows where the morale would be if this team didn't have the first half that it did last year. I mean, honestly, it probably would would have been better if they had a bad first half last year because then we wouldn't be in this position right now. The yeah. first half of last year fooled them into thinking that they had potential that they don't. Um, I mean, the potential exists if every single, again, if if every single piece of Brian Cashman's puzzle manages to come together, that's the only way this works. He's built a very imperfect structure, and whenever there's a crack or whatever you want to call it, the entire thing comes crashing down, and it looks like, it looks like a bunch of high schoolers decided to put this roster together. Um, and then obviously Aaron Boone's job is very difficult. You're in the New York media. You're asked questions after every single game. You're forced to face the media after every single game. But you would think again, you would think one would think that after having all of this practice with the elevated spotlight, with the higher stakes, with the exposure to these tough questions that most other people don't have that at some point you would adapt. But it's been since 2018, and it's gotten worse. And you can't tell me that the players are better off for it because they're not. The only players that are better off for it are people like Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole who are more independent than anybody else. Um, and it, it's, it's, bad, it's bad lip service for a fan base that, yes, make fun of Yankees fans for being dumb because you do have your – dumb pockets of fandom um, and they say deplorable stuff or they're just completely ignorant um, and they hold on to the championships, whatever you want. Every fan base has it. But for the most part, Yankees fans completely dialed in, know what's going on with the team at all times, know exactly the trade targets they need to look for in the, uh, before the deadline, know the trade targets and the free agent acquisitions this team needs to look for in the off season, knows what's wrong with the roster, knows who needs to be replaced 
This is not a this, this is not a fair a group of fair weather fans just uh, coasting whenever the team decides to start winning or decides to go on a run. This is a group of people worldwide who live and die by every pitch. Again, for the most part, and you're insulting them every single night, almost every other night. I'll be generous and say, and the ge- most generous I could be is you're insulting them three times a week. And that's a lot of times to insult somebody and essentially tell somebody they're dumb or tell somebody that they're not watching exactly what they're watching. So, yes, it is worthwhile to talk about Aaron Boone because on the surface, he is not the problem. This offense is broken. Players who are supposed to step up in times where we need them to step up don't. In fact, they become worse. That could also be a symptom of the managing. It could be the symptom of the messaging in the locker room. It could be a symptom of, you know, no one kind of ever being held accountable or being disciplined for whatever, poor play, bad behavior, poor body language, you name it. And this era with Aaron Boone has been littered with all of that. There is, there's no repercussion for anything. There's no recourse. There's no light, lighting a fire under this team. Um, There is no speaking out against uh, maybe certain players or I don't know. Do some managers have the balls to speak out against the front office? Do they in history? I don't know. Probably not good, but you reach a certain point this year where like you're fetching these questions, you know, maybe start talking about the lineup construction, you know, Alex Cora has been doing that a little bit. Like, obviously, I, I pay attention to the Red Sox. He said it a couple times this year, actually. He shivers, but he's like, I'm doing the best I can with what I got or yeah. whatever, putting pressure on the front office. Uh, and that doesn't seem to, you know, that fracture is not killing that team. They've been fine. Yeah. But I don't know. Just give me something. And I don't want to have to go into the compl- – I don't want to have to go to the under other end of the pendulum and be like, yeah, start calling out Brian Cashman. Let's do that. But at this point, it's like, do something. Say something. Zero runs on Friday. Zero runs on Friday. Yeah. Zero. It was zero runs against a triple-A pitcher after after an off day. First and second, one out in the seventh, scoreless tie. Fujinami on the mound can't find the play at Harrison Bader double play. Yeah. It's it's just so it's that and that's why it's again another reason it's become worrisome is because every fan knows what's going on from the smartest to the dumbest, and everybody's saying the same thing. And everybody knows exactly what the problems are. Everybody's in lockstep with what this team needs to do. Everybody's in lockstep with what may or may not, or what may the problems might be or what they may not be. I don't know. I think we disagree on a few things here and there. For example, the Glaber Torres conversation, but also we can see why you wouldn't want to trade Glaber Torres because somehow he's your second best hitter. But either way, everybody knows what's going on. Nobody is being fooled. And it's making it even all the more embarrassing because now there's even more toxic discourse anywhere you go talking about this team when they're in a bad stretch of play. Um, and you know, the Yankees might still be printing money, but it's bad PR. And I don't know how much longer they can afford the bad PR. Joe Torrey said a week ago. Yeah. Don't uh, lie. To, don't lie to your yeah. players. Week or two. Yeah. If I have one piece of advice for Aaron Boone, it's don't lie to your, don't lie to your players. Don't lie to your team. Uh, don't, don't, don't lie to the fans either. Don't lie to the people who, who, uh, participate in your product, who, who go to cheer you and what, yeah. what you've brought, um, who acknowledge at this point that you've brought next to nothing since, again, that pivot point where you went after Shohei Otani. He said no right when you were hired, and then you pivoted to Giancarlo Stanton and decided to right-hand heavier lineup from there on out. Yep. Stop lying. Just stop. And, and you might be lying. To, you might be lying to us again tomorrow night. We might get on tomorrow night after the trade deadline and have a whole new set of lies to go through. Because you might tell us that getting Aaron Judge back is like getting an MVP back is like the biggest trade acquisition you can make, even though you actively benched him yesterday with the chance to actually make a real statement. Um, you're, you might tell us that you know we were in a, we were in a lot of things, but they didn't materialize. Uh, that is true. I mean, everyone's in a lot of things, but they seem to be materializing for other people because other people are willing to pay the price. The price has so far been pretty reasonable. Jordan Hicks goes for a futures game participant and another triple a righty who needs to be added to the 40 man this off season. We have a million of those. We, we couldn't trade Clayton beater and a 40 man roster chum guy for Jordan Hicks. We didn't want to guess not. We, we could have, we didn't want to. So don't tell me we couldn't have you preferred not to. We'll see how Jordan Hicks turns out. Maybe he proves you right. Maybe he has a 1.25 area for the blue Jays down the stretch. 
and they make it to the playoffs and you don't. Maybe. We'll see. We, we will only know that with the benefit of hindsight. But you can't look at the package and tell me you couldn't do it. You could have. You didn't want to. You have another uh, 24-ish. You have 27 hours left to do something. And to tell us the truth about it when you don't do it. That something could be trading DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo, or Giancarlo Stanton by some stroke of, of miracle. That could be trading Glaber Torres and waving the white flag on this season, which, again, might be fine. Uh, that could be trading Wandy Peralta, Luis Severino, Domingo Herman, Isaiah Conner-Falefa, Harrison Bader. It could even be adding someone like Dylan Carlson or another controllable bat. I'm interested. Sure. You want to do rentals? I like Tommy Pham a lot. Yeah. You want to do rentals? I like Teoscar Hernandez a lot. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, plus you trade Glaber Torres, free up a spot for Oswald Peraza. There are so many things to do. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees haven't done any of them. And they've had about three weeks, I would say, conservatively to do some of them. They haven't done any of them. They now have 27 hours. So tell us the truth tomorrow night. Tell us you were close on some things, didn't get comfortable with the price. Don't tell us you couldn't make it happen or, or it fell apart. or you, you made it fall apart. If you made it fall apart, tell us. You couldn't get anything to the finish line, tell us. And uh, just do what you can to make this team a contender in 2024 and beyond. I don't know what happened last year in the first half, and I never will. No. But get us back there. Get us back there. What what even is it? That's that's luck. Or it's ever or again, it's this current construct working completely seamlessly, which will never happen. Because even look around the league with every other team. What other team is having a picture perfect season outside of the Braves, who I guess that's their thing now. They do that, they've been doing that for three years. Yeah. Um, no other team. No other team has one injury that makes it seem like they can't exist as a baseball team uh, without that one person. Um, look across the league. No team, no team, do, every team deals with a multitude of injuries on a month to month basis. They make it work. How long were the Astros without Altuve and Michael Brantley and Jordan Alvarez? Yeah. And I hate mentioning the Astros, and it doesn't bring me any joy. But, like, how long was that? Look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers literally have one of the worst pitching staffs in the entire league. Legitimately one of the worst pitching staffs, bullpen and starting rotation. And they are still leading their division. Yep. I just – it's every other team deals with catastrophic issues, regressions, unforeseen losses, and the Yankees time and time again are one of the few – because there are teams who, who you know, who can't get through the postseason without certain players, or teams who you know limp to the finish line or like blow it in September. I get it, but the Yankees are the you know, the number one contender who has all the resources to make to to make wrongs right. Who will lose a piece or two, and the entire situation is dead. You wouldn't even believe that this team had existed after watching them play without you know the handful of players that that are unable to take the field. So. I don't know what the hell you'd have to do to take us back to the first half of last year. Just get me back to 2017 when it was a bunch of people who I guess were having fun after the trade deadline and figured, Hey, let's, let's put some lightning in a bottle and let's figure it the fuck out. Let's have like, just give me that. Give me that attitude. That, that seems to be a little bit more fun, but what do I know? 2017 team, three games over 500 when they acquired David Roberts and Todd Frazier and Tommy Canley and changed everything. Current Yankees, five games over 500. They do not care. And I would understand why you wouldn't care either. Not telling you to care. I barely care. But also, I care a lot. And I want to care again. Uh, This team stinks. We will see you again tomorrow evening, 6-ish o'clock. Stay tuned. Thanks to everybody for viewing, watching along with us today, and hanging out. Tons of people in the comment section, in the chat. Lots of viewers. You guys stuck around the whole show. And we thank you for it. Uh, So if you're viewing and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. That'll give you the heads up that we're about to go live again. Hopefully we get to commiserate on something interesting tomorrow instead of just again saying, why? Dear God, why? Why are we here? Why are we where we are? Are aliens real? Um, I'm tired of it, too. I don't want to do that again. I want to analyze moves. We did it last year. They made a ton of moves last year. Fail, 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 fail. Some of the worst moves of all time. But by golly, they were they were in the mix. And it would be great to be in the mix again tomorrow night to be able to talk with you folks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts. Five-star review there goes a long way. Subscribing goes a long way. 
anywhere, your preferred platform. And here on YouTube, we thank everyone for joining us. I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Hey, folks, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. I haven't really been that active because, again, broken record. I feel like the, the Twitter algorithm will kick me out of all your feeds if I keep saying the same thing. Um, you can find both of us at the official Yanksco Yard um, Twitter account at Yanksco Yard FS. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. A lot of you are there right now. Thank you for reading. Keep it going. We got a lot of interesting stuff coming up, and we want to make sure that you're in the know and you are interacting with us. So please head on over there, read it, interact, do it all. And until then, we'll talk to you tomorrow, most likely. Hopefully, again, anything. Just give me something. Something I can elaborate beyond this, and that would be pleasant. Have a good one. Allow me to smell baseball tomorrow you bunch of ghouls. We'll see you tomorrow.